Welcome to the Luminous Life Podcast. My name is Lori Marie. I'm a spiritual teacher, certified fearless living coach, healer, Vita grad for trauma-informed somatic love, sex, and relationship coaching, an artist, psychic medium for sensitive souls who want to discover their gifts, claim their confidence, own their worth, and make an impact in the world so you can become the most powerful creator you're meant to be. I absolutely love helping you up-level your life, claim your desires, and help you see the infinite potential that you are. It is my mission and my passion to give you the tools, teachings, resources, strategies, and support you need to create the life of your dreams and to live a luminously, divinely guided life. Think of this podcast as your daily dose of personal development to maximize your impact and your life. And if you're ready to be lit up by life, own your awesome and dive into co-creating your deepest desires, then you've come to the right place. It's time to become epically free and unapologetically you in and out of the bedroom. Enjoy today's episode. And if there's something that resonates with you today, be sure to rate the podcast and tag us on social media at Lori Marie Loves. And let's begin. Welcome back. It's been so long, far too long, but I'm excited to be back and there's so much to share. I woke up at 2.50 and debated, do I go back to bed or do I have this conversation? Do I just get it all out? Forgive me, it may take a bit, but today I want to talk about body image and the forever journey because this has been a big part of last year for me and why it's a bit difficult for me to show up and I just wanted to kind of break down how I got here first of all it's like 4 30 I'm now living in a co-housing community since we last talked and there's this common house area that anybody can use and so that's where I am right now in the common house because the casita is a lot smaller and Um, I don't want to wake up the whole house. So when I say whole house, I mean my partner and my new kitty. Yes, I got a new kitty. His name is now Eros James and more on that later. But wow. So this past year has been, well, let me back up first of all. So as you may or may not know, Last year, for about a year and a half, I was deeply, deeply in practice of self-pleasure practices and uh, learning how to rewire my nervous system and going through all these new teachings and these new experiences through the Vita uh, Vita certification. And... uh, Basically, (laughs) I was pleasured out. Let's just say, yes, it's possible to self-pleasure to the point of being sick of yourself and sick of of self-pleasuring. And, um, you know, because, I mean, a lot of that was the entire year. And I'm oversimplifying here. There was a lot more to it. But Basically, I had gone through this really intense program for a year and a half, right? 
And then I kind of just wanted to disconnect from all of it for a while because it was so much and so intense. It was so wonderful and amazing. And like, it was so transformative <laughs> at the same time. But I really just wanted kind of a break from all of it and a break from kind of personal development as a whole. And because I've been going at it pretty hard for like the last decade. So this year, I feel like it was an interesting mix as I kind of started to reflect on the year. It's been an interesting mix of embodiment as well as navigating old ghosts popping back in. And what I mean by old ghosts is that over the last year, I've been going through some perimenopausal symptoms and uh, it's caused me to have a lot of confusion, feeling lost, um, brain fog. It's, I've also gained quite a bit of weight. So that brought up a lot of old body image stuff. And I had to kind of dig back into my toolbox and go back to basics and learn how to like accept myself as my body has changed once again. And, um, with that and kind of everything I'd kind of navigated over the last seven years in the coaching industry and like, and maybe sometime I'll talk about that, but, um, just kind of all the areas that I felt challenged, defeated, um, heartbroken over, it kind of all came to a head and I kind of needed to just disconnect from all of it. So I feel like this year has been a combination of kind of falling back into some old patterns, but also like coming back to my tools, also feeling really disconnected from my intuition and like what I'm doing or where I'm going. <laughs> like it was, it's been a mix. Uh, I noticed some people pleasing stuff kind of pop back up again. And I wanted to talk about it to kind of normalize it, first of all, because no matter how much work we can do on ourselves, you know, how much personal development we can do on ourselves, and you know, how, no matter how much trauma healing and all these things, there's always a next level. There's always another level to what were, um, you know, some really deep, deep, deeply seated kind of issues that have been there from the beginning, you know, from, from the time we're little many times. <clears throat> and so I just wanted to kind of talk about it, normalize it, and also say that it doesn't mean that you're failing. It doesn't mean that you're going backwards. It doesn't mean that all was lost. It just means you're being asked to go deeper into yourself and to really come back home to yourself. And that's really what's been going on uh, for me personally this year is I kept wanting to kind of disconnect from everything, which also meant being disconnected from myself because uh, that's a, a really deep pattern that I've had in the past of like, you know, when I was really the the height of like body image issues and kind of like uh, body dysmorphia, I would disassociate, right? I would like want to 
leave my body behind. I'd want to disconnect from my body. And this time, what's really different and what's really interesting is I was actually being called to come back into myself and into my body, come back to my body and to give love and acceptance to those parts that were feeling those old feelings, right? And by doing that, I've been able to come through to the other side, right? I've been able to like navigate it in a much, not only healthier way, but also uh, to be able to move through it a lot faster. Um, now with that being said, it also kind of took a toll on my, uh, you know, my confidence a bit. It kind of took a toll on, um, wanting to be seen, like, which has been a challenge for me to begin with, like (laughs) since I became a coach. And, um, so what it really did is it called me to my next level. It called me deeper into self-love, deeper into acceptance, deeper into those parts that can still be tender sometimes and can still get activated. Um, I like to think of it as like, I kind of right now I'm seeing it as like a nerve, right? Uh, like a deep, (laughs) um, rooted nerve that sometimes can still, uh, be sensitive and still be touched, right? And, and, can be tender at times. It's not always, but this <clears throat> journey of like diving into myself is one that I have come to recognize as something that will uh, will continue, right? As I unfold, as I evolve, as I uh, as I physically change, as my body physically change. Um, you know, it's all, it's all part of it and it's all okay. And it's just constantly reminding me to come back home to myself, come back home to my body and to really recognize like, you know, how far I've come and celebrate that. And also to know that like, there are going to be times still, even now (laughs) a decade in, where I'm going to have to lean in more and lean into my tools even more and even deeper. And I'm so grateful to have tools because back when I didn't have tools, um, I mean, it continued for 12 years, 13 years. This time around, it's been like six months of on and off. And so I feel like this year was about kind of, like I said, kind of embodiment, embodiment of everything I have learned. And this year, I also got to put it all into practice. I got to put into practice the teachings and the tools that I learned through Vita. I got to practice leaning in and loving myself more and then stepping back out with courage and sharing it all. (laughs) And so there's, there's lots, so much to share, (laughs) like so much to say about so many things. Um, but I figure I'd just start where I am. And so this journey of, you know, if you've ever struggled with body image or body dysmorphia, you know how challenging it can be. And 
I'm here to tell you that it's a practice. It's a practice that will forever be practiced. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be hard all the time. Like I have been really um, good up until this point for quite some time. Like I really learned how to embrace myself and my body and like where I was, no matter what the scale said, no matter what jean size I was wearing. And with perimenopause and some of those symptoms and hormone changes, like certain things shifted and changed and uh, areas where I never had, you know, uh, what some might call problem areas. I don't believe in that. I don't think your body is a problem. Um, but just my body changed its shape in some ways and it was unfamiliar and uncomfortable. And so I had to learn how to, uh, navigate that and how to accept that. And now I've been able to look at these parts of myself and say like, Ooh, like, can I love you? Can I love you? Can I hold you? Can I appreciate your softness? Can I appreciate your warmth? Like, how can I love you and find acceptance for you? And by doing that, it's helped me come to the other side of this. And so now I'm feeling more confident and more um, ready than ever to step back out and to share what I've learned over the last, uh, last year. So it's been a lot and it's exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Um, it's funny to say that, you know, it's funny to say like, it's exciting that I went through this, <laughs> but it really is. <laughs> it really is to, to be able to, you know, be in a place where I've been before and to feel that struggle and to feel that pain and to feel that um, discomfort and then to be excited about it because I was able to like meet myself and love myself through it and not, um, you know, even though some of these things are like older patterns, um, I'm not dealing with them the way that I would have dealt with them in the past. And that in itself is a huge accomplishment because in the past I would have uh, beaten myself up and put myself down and like there would have been a lot of self-hate and self-deprecation uh, and um, to get to a place where you can meet yourself and love those tender parts, it's a big deal. So it is exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I also want to talk about, because this came up too when I was thinking about, or when this came through to share, um, I was also thinking about like, how did I even get here? You know, like, how did I get here to this place with my body, right? Not just how did I get here in terms of like, oh, how did I go from like self-hate and, and self, uh, you know, 
and like beating myself up and putting myself down to coming to a place of like love and acceptance and kindness for myself and compassion. Like not, not how did I get here, but like, how did I get here in the first place? Right? Because when I think back, I had these images pop up of like when I was a little girl or a little kid, right? Like I was just being myself. I was just me. And so it got me thinking like, what was the trajectory or how did like, I don't know. It was kind of like reflected back to me. Like, how did I even get to this point? Right. To this point before I like thought about weight or thought about my body in, in that way. Like there was a time where I was just being in my body. And so I want to kind of explore that and, and get into that, um, in this next seg segment. So grab yourself your favorite beverage and cozy on in, or if you're driving, drive safe, <laughs> but let's, let's talk about it because I think by sharing this, there may be some reflection in like how you may have gotten to this place in your life. And so I think it's really important to share, um, you know, how did, how do we get here when we have so much um, you know, when we have so many challenges around like loving who we are, like, where did it come from? How did it get here? Like, we maybe know how it got here in terms of like, oh, maybe, you know, you had parents that like said things, did things, whatnot, or, you know, kids at school or that sort of thing. But like, I think it's even deeper than that. So let's explore it together. See you soon. Are you ready to become unapologetically you and epically free in and out of the bedroom? Then you've got to join the Luminous Life community, a community dedicated to rising and thriving, glowing and growing. In the Luminous Life community, you can receive hot seat coaching from me, tools, tips, trainings, and more in a community of like-minded people dedicated to becoming exactly who they're meant to be. Grab the link in the show notes and I'll see you over there. So like I said, I woke up this morning really early and then for whatever reason, like all these things were just kind of coming in and I started thinking about childhood and like thinking about like body, body image and weight and like it just got me thinking like, how did I even get here? Right? Like when I was a kid, you know, I was just being, I didn't even think about my body. I didn't think about my body. I didn't like worry about my body. I didn't like, I was just being right. I was playing, I was dancing. I was, uh, playing dress up. <laughs> I was like just being and expressing and having fun and um, you know, I didn't, I just didn't think about my body at all yet. I was still aware of my body. And when I mean aware of my body, cause I look back at photos and like some of them, like I can see all kind of dimensions of me in photographs in from childhood that I still feel today present within me. Right. It's like, I see ones where I'm like really shy. And then I see ones where I'm like, super goofy and then I see ones where I'm like saucy <laughs> like and it's interesting to like 
you know, see these different like versions of me reflected back to me now, you know, and, and like recognize these parts of me. Um, and it's interesting because my saucy side, um, that like kind of part of me that's always been comfortable with my sexuality, my sensuality, that part of me up until Vita, like I had really kind of tucked away and hidden for so long because it didn't feel safe to show that part of me, to explore that part of me. Um, and it makes sense, right? When you go through sexual trauma, I mean, I, I gained weight. That was a way of my body protecting me from being seen and, and allowing, you know, others, you know, in some sort of way it like you know is this like unconscious way of like well if I have this protection over me on me whatnot then like you know men won't be attracted to me then this won't happen again right it's it's like creating that sense of protection that sense of security and even though I healed from the sexual trauma I still had further work to do to feel safe to express that part of me. And that's kind of where I'm at now is like, I want to let my saucier side out. And actually, I think it would benefit a lot of people by doing so because um, there's so much sauce in there. <laughs> there's so much, I think, um, you know, it, it feels good to be at a place where I want to share that part of myself again and to do so uh in a bigger way not just like i i would in my intimate relationship the the current partnership that i'm in like i have shown that side of me probably more to him than i have in like decades probably since my early 20s you know, and so that part of me, I had shut off for a really long time, not only from my intimate partners, but also like from myself, um, because it just didn't feel safe. So as these kind of parts of me reemerge or like I'm allowing them to, to be seen more, um, it just really got me thinking like, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> like, because I was all of those things as a child too. I was sweet. I was shy at times. I was also saucy at times. I was comfortable with my sexuality and in my sensuality. Like I was just me, right? But I think what happened over time through different experiences with family, with friends, uh, teachers, and then of course, you know, when you get even older, then society starts to get to you, right? Like what's right, what's wrong, what's beauty, what's not. Uh, and I feel like it over time embedded this belief 
like at the core that who I was, who I am is wrong, right? I was often told that I was too sensitive. I would, as a child, I would hold in my thoughts and feelings. And if I was upset, I would just try and bottle it in so hard. <laughs> I tried so hard to not cry because I was told that I was too sensitive. Um, there was also some trauma there around using my voice. And there's still an aspect when I was uh, three, uh, I was beaten by my babysitter. And I don't know still to this day, and really it doesn't matter. I don't know what I did to upset her, but I can't help but think that that somehow plays a role in all of this in that um, whatever I did was bad enough to warrant, well, in her mind, <laughs> in, in an adult mind, right? Like, was bad enough to warrant uh, beating me until my ass was black and blue. And I remember that was my first memory that I've ever had, like being three, about three years old, I know I, I know the age because my you know my mom told me but being 3 years old standing in front of our big bay window holding my bottom and crying and trying so hard not to cry and then my mom I remember her asking me like what was wrong and I couldn't tell her and I wouldn't tell her but I kept holding my butt <laughs> and so she you know put put two and two together and then pulled my pants down and saw like what had happened, right? And then she like called the babysitter and just laid into her and whatever. Anyway, that was one of my first experiences in like not using my voice. And again, I don't know what I did to upset her or what I saw or what happened. I don't know. I have a feeling like that I may have seen something or she may have been doing something that she didn't want me seeing. And then she just like, you know, reacted. I don't really know. I can't say for sure. Right. I will forever be a mystery and that's fine. But, um, but I say that to say like, so that was my very first memory. Right. And then throughout childhood, I remember so clearly hearing and being told, and this kind of carried on up until a few years ago, um, my my mom especially, and I love her dearly. Like this is no no um, you know no fault of her own. And actually, so much was revealed recently. I I took a trip to Door County with her on my last visit. And she told me how her dad told her she was too sensitive. And it kind of all made sense. It was like, oh, fuck. I know now why she was always saying that to me. Because she was just projecting what her father laid on to her. And so we had this beautiful, like, healing moment around that. Um, and I just told her, like, it was okay that you were sensitive. It's not a bad thing. 
you know, and, and we kind of talked about it a bit. But like, I remember a few summers ago, she said it to me again. She was like, you're too sensitive. Oh, you're so touchy. You're too sensitive. And I said to her, you know what? My sensitivity is my superpower. And then I never heard her say it again. And then, like I said, recently, she shared that her dad used to say to her that she was too sensitive. And, you know, in his mind, he was trying to just like toughen her up for the real world, you know, kind of a thing, which I totally get all of it. Right. But what that did as a child, because I was so sensitive, because I was afraid to use my voice, I continued that pattern on for the rest of my existence. Right. I thought who I was at my core was bad and wrong. I thought being sensitive was some sort of character flaw. Like there was something wrong with me. And I share all of this to say that if you're sensitive too, that it's okay. And it's actually, it truly, truly is your superpower. I mean, my sensitivity is what allows me to see beyond the physical reality. It allows me to speak to people's loved ones and to uh, read the energy of what's going on with a person beyond what they have maybe even shared, right? Like my sensitivity is something I so now love and embrace and know that it is so my superpower. Now it took time to like understand that, to learn how to use it, to learn how to work with it and not feel overwhelmed by it. But it's so a gift. It's so such a beautiful gift to be sensitive. So if you are sensitive, I want you to know that I see you and I love you and you are absolutely okay to be who you are. I just had to mention that. <laughs> but okay, so if we're kind of tracking here, like three, at three years old, very quickly learned it's not safe to use my voice. I shut down my voice. So that made it really hard for me to express myself or my feelings or like if something happened or somebody did something or if I was feeling hurt or I was scared to speak up. I was told I was too sensitive pretty much most of my childhood into adulthood up until, like I said, a few years ago. So I thought who I was at my core was bad and wrong. Then there were just the, you know, uh, societal pressures of beauty and what you should look like, how you should be. Uh, then there was, I was bullied a lot by boys, especially like around the sixth, seventh grade time period, you know, so when you're really, your body is really starting to change. Um, so I thought that was not correct either. And then fast forward into the like early nineties, like around the age of 11, 12, like I know my mom got really into dieting and 
um, you know, kind of following the diet culture, not by, you know, any fault of her own. It's just what was happening at the time and what, how people were being, you know, all the propaganda and how people were being marketed to. And so there was a heavy emphasis on dieting. And so, and then in high school, I remember it being a big deal in my high school, particularly, I don't know if this was everywhere, but <laughs> everywhere in the United States, but I know for me growing up in the Midwest, going to the high school that I went to, it was a big deal to weigh under a hundred pounds. Like that was the goal. And you were fat if you weighed anything <laughs> more than that. I think at that time too, I was like 115 maybe. I was, I did not have a, a, a problem with my weight at all, which is also part of like where I started kind of backtracking and thinking about like, well, where did this all come from, right? So I get like not being able to express, uh, you know, experiencing that core kind of wounding of, of like who I am is bad and wrong. And then, you know, being picked on by boys, especially, um, you know, and then just some of the like high school, middle school pressures to like weigh less than a hundred pounds. But I've really started thinking like, I never really had a weight problem until I experienced sexual assault in my mid, you know, early twenties. And it just got me thinking like, where did it all go wrong? Right? Like what, what happened? Um, but then, like I said, so around 11, 12, I started being on all these diets and really, I feel like that really fucked with my like body. Right. Like I remember taking Fenfen and Redux and I do not recommend. And now you see those on like diet, you're on like lawsuit commercials. Like if you were on Fenfen or Redux and you know, like, fuck, um, you know, slim fast weight watchers. Like I was doing all of that from the time I was like 12, 13 on up for years and years. Again, because it came back to thinking like who I was, was bad and wrong. And I feel like that's when really my awareness of my body started to really take place around that like preteen, teen kind of age. I also got a lot of attention from boys, good and bad attention. Like I said, I would, I would either be bullied or they'd either want to be with me, It'd be like one or the two, right? And I was so obsessed with like having a boyfriend and being with a boy and it, it, and I think part of that was to feel safe. Like I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel like secure in a relationship, which it makes so much sense why there was so much codependency and like how I had all these like long-term monogamous relationships and basically like you just, you know, start dating and you're instantly like boyfriend girlfriend and then you're just with each other for years <laughs> like that was a lot of my relationships uh especially when i was younger i mean i was with my son's dad for four years 15 to 19 like that's like an eternity in high school years <laughs> it's like a marriage in high school you know but um 
that was also a really damaging relationship because it was so dysfunctional and so toxic and he was so mean and like abusive and narcissistic and sociopathic like he really did a lot of damage um that took me decades to recover from sadly um but i remember him like really ripping into like my body and my body image and, and things like that like when he wanted to get back to, with me and then I didn't want to get back together with him then he used it as an opportunity to kind of tear me down and um yet even at that time I didn't feel bad about my body like when I think about it, I think about the dieting, I think about the comments, I think about, you know, um, the abuse with him. And like, I still did not feel bad about my body. <clears throat> like, and I really didn't feel bad about who I was until I gained the weight, which is interesting. Because I was very, as a teenager, I was very, actually, for a teenager, I was very confident in myself and my own skin and my sexuality and my sensuality. Like, I was uh, pretty, like, I could be shy, you know, at times, especially around new people. But, like, once I got to know people, I opened up and I was able to really, like, connect. And, and so it was... Um, you know, it was not until I had gained the weight after sexual trauma that the self-hatred really began. I'd say that's when kind of all these things that I'd experienced and felt and like tucked away and like internalized really kind of almost like grew roots I'm seeing it like it, in, it was like an infection right and it just like infected everything and so the way I saw myself had become so askewed from what I and where I had been and I thought my body was against me and I didn't realize it was actually protecting me and so it feels like that's when it really happened right that's when like all the kind of things that had been happening throughout my life that, you know, I, I maybe didn't allow myself to really feel or didn't really internalize on a conscious level. It feels like that's when it really all kind of culminated and grew roots. And then from there, it was like 12, 13 years, whatever it was of like self-hate and self-deprecation and it's so interesting it's like i put my armor on and then it became this container of like all the toxicity that had been like placed upon me was now it now had like a container to like be released in and kind of fester in just so fascinating. <laughs>
like it's just so interesting to to think about because I really didn't have issue with myself or my body like personally like other people may have said something or projected things onto me but I really didn't feel the weight of that impact until much later until it felt like my body had turned on me and it's curious because it makes me think like if I felt that way once I could feel that way again and I could go back to that feeling again of like there is nothing wrong with me right it's like I don't know it's like I'm kind of thinking like can I just re uh reverse engineer this right like there was a long period of time where no matter what people said to me or did to me, it didn't affect me. And so like, it's so interesting that by, by literally just gaining fat, right? Like gaining weight, <clears throat> which again, like I said, was my body's way of protecting me. I had taken all of those projections and all of those things that people said about me or did or whatever it was right and i then allowed it to mean that i was not worthy that i was not enough and it was all in relationship to my body but it was never really my body's fault right it was this like deep-seated belief of like unworthiness because really, when we have issues with our body, it's not really our body we have issues with at the end of the day. Our body is just our body. Our body is the vehicle that, you know, drives us and allows us to do so many things, cool things in this world. But it was like, for the first time, it was like, because of what I saw in the mirror, I allowed those thoughts, feelings, projections to actually penetrate me. And I actually believed them. Based on the fact that I had gained weight. Like, even though those things, you know, at different times throughout my life were hurtful and painful, and I maybe cried about it or whatever, I didn't really let it affect who I be, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't allow it to dictate how I moved through the world until I had gained the weight. And then it was like something had switched in me, and then I made this... I made it mean that, well, all these things must be true then. Which makes me, yeah, wonder, well, if that was the belief, can you just unbelieve it? <laughs> I don't think that's a word. But 
there was a time where none of that penetrated me. Maybe part of that's because I wasn't as conscious back then or aware, you know, self-aware. I don't know. But it does have me wonder, can we go back? I know we can't go back to being who we were, right? But can we go back to a place where we allow ourselves to just be and just be expressed in whatever way we feel called to? Hmm. Something to think about. I'll be back in a moment as I collect more thoughts on this. So life happens, right? People say things, do things. We have different experiences. Life happens, right? These things happen. But can we take other people's projections and not allow them to penetrate us. Like I just saw this image of like a, like a big, you know, those big um, like balls, those clear balls where people like run around in them, like they're life size and you can run around in them. I'm just, I saw this image of like, you know, other people's projections just bouncing off of that ball, right? If you can allow it to not penetrate you, I mean, sure you may, feel hurt, you may cry, whatnot, but if you can al allow it to not penetrate you and kind of taking root within you, like, can we stand firm in our knowing that we are inherently worthy? Like, just you being born on this planet makes you worthy, makes you enough makes you a miracle, truly. And there was a time where you saw yourself as awesome, right? As a little kid, like, you were just being you, just doing your thing, being you, being weird, playing in the sandbox, picking your nose, eating glue, whatever it was. <laughs> like, you were just you. And so it just makes me wonder, makes me curious, like, can we reclaim that? Can we reclaim that inherent worth of like, I am absolutely okay being exactly who I am. And I'm going to express who I am exactly in the way that I want to do it. And not allow the projections, opinions, and judgments of others to penetrate us something to consider, something to think about. It's not always easy, especially when you're putting yourself out there, you're being seen, especially on a big platform. One of the ones that I've had a lot of apprehension about is TikTok because it's such a beast of a platform. <laughs> but yet I feel like what a beautiful practice to be able to practice to show up be exactly who I am and to not to practice not being penetrated. This is getting real sexual real fast. But that's 
that's just it. If we can go back to that knowing of like who we are is, is like beautiful and wonderful and awesome. Like we knew when we were kids and kind of like shed all of the, the shit that everybody flung at us, right? On our beautiful iridescent bubble. Is that possible? I really think it is. It's like I've been on this journey the last decade to kind of like peel back all these layers of the onion and like and to to expose that beautiful iridescent bubble that I'm in, right? Which is like the pureness or the heart of me. Before anybody told me that who I was was wrong or bad, right? Or before that belief was internalized. And so the last decade has been me like basically wiping off of all the shit that other people had flung on me or projected on me or things people did to me or whatnot. So I could reveal that beautiful iridescent bubble again and then be free within that. Right? So like moving forward, it's like constantly coming back to that knowing, come, constantly coming back to that truth. And I can tell you from experience, the biggest issue we have is remembering this journey is of being a soul, having a human experience is about forgetting and remembering, forgetting and remembering, forgetting and remembering. And so how can you set up anchor points or touchstones to help you remember? who you are, help you remember that goodness, that pureness, that wholeness that is already you because that's there. It's available to you at any time, but we have to remove the shit and release the shit that has been stuck on our beautiful bubble from others. Mmm, so good. So good and so juicy. Yeah. So I think going forward, like, I'm feeling like really playing with and stepping into practicing that same essence and quality I had as a child where I didn't you know, I wasn't concerned about my body. I wasn't, I was relaxed and I was joyful and I was playful and I was just being. And I wasn't thinking about how many calories to count and how much, how many steps did I take and uh, <laughs> all the things, right? That we, like, it's insane. I was thinking about this the other day. It's insane how much we have, like, I don't know, like, I'm not knocking it. If, if it's for you, it's great. <clears throat> but I just think about how much we have, like, programmed, our, programmed ourselves into these, like, robots when it comes to, like, living, right? It's like, we need to hit the 10,000 step goal. We never had that. Like, we weren't doing that in the 80s, the 90s. Nobody was doing that. Never. Mm -mm. 
we weren't doing the, you know, two gallons of water, you know, or, or, or like half your weight, half your body weight in water. I'm not saying water's not great for you. It really is. So is movement. All of it's great, right? But like, when did we become so like programmed around it? So rigid around it? What if we could actually just enjoy life and do things that are fun for us and actually get us out and being active? What if we're just like, hey, let's just go for a hike. That'd be really fun versus let's make sure we get in our 10,000 steps or let's make sure, you know what I mean? Like we like so calculate everything now. Like I need to make sure I have all my macros and my, my, like we never did that. Like what? No. Like when did we become so programmed? Like calorie counting and macros and steps and whatever. Maybe it's all the like rigidness we have around eating and our body and everything else that's causing us to like be crazy and to hold on to weight because we're stressed out and we're trying to get it perfect and we're not doing it right. And oh my God. Ah. I personally have done so many things and been on so many things that there has been a few that have worked and a few that have not, but nothing has worked long term. So I'm sitting here saying like, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> and what if I could just like enjoy my life, eat what I want, not feel bad about what I want, you know, just like, um, like words are spells, like the same thing it holds true for the beliefs we have about the food we're ingesting. Like if we believe what we're eating is bad and, and we're bad for eating what we want to eat and, and, you know, like punishing ourselves, that just causes that spiral to continue and to like further escalate. I know when I was really at the height of my like uh, binge eating and disordered eating, I was, um, you know, I'd be on this like strict regimen diet, but then I would like screw up quote unquote. And I would be like, okay, well I'm going to, you know, whatever. I just messed this up. So instead of eating like a cookie, I'd eat the whole freaking box. Right. Like, and it was a spiral of self-sabotage because it was like, I made myself wrong for eating the one cookie. Right. And then I was like, I realized, or I thought like, oh, well, I just fucked it all up. So, you know, why not fuck it up some more? I didn't actually think that consciously, but that's basically what happened. And so then I'd just be like, well, fuck it. <laughs> and I just eat more. Right. And so that cycle played out time and time again. And until I realized like, oh, I can make a new choice at any moment and that's okay. And I stopped making myself wrong for wanting the goddamn cookies. <clears throat> if you allow yourself to have what you want and you're being mindful about it, you're not going to want all the things, right? It's when we feel lack and deprivation and depletion and we feel like, you know, we're not, we're never going to be able to have it again that we then <clears throat> go into this state of like, I've got to have it now and I better eat all of it or scarcity, right? We get into scarcity around food. We get into scarcity around 
what we can and can't have. And then we sit there and we wonder like why things aren't working the way we want them to work or why are, why we have no willpower. And it's not true. It's not that you don't have willpower. You're just trying to, to, um, suppress feelings that you have and you're trying to fill the void. That's it. It's pretty simple. And so let's not make ourselves wrong for wanting what we want. And let's allow ourselves to have it and to really enjoy it. Not just to have it, but really enjoy it. Really enjoy that cookie. Like be with that cookie. Love on that cookie. Like take in all the pleasures of the cookie. <laughs> I told you it's getting real sexual. <laughs> Allow yourself to have the thing you want and really be with it in a very mindful state, right? Like really take, slow it down, take time to enjoy it and enjoy the pleasures of it. And then just notice like how you feel. And if you feel like you're good, great, then stop. And if you feel like you want some more, go ahead, let yourself have more. But let's stop making ourselves bad and wrong for wanting what we want. If we spend more time loving ourselves and allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to have the things we want, right? As long as they're not harming or hurting anybody else. And we actually do things we enjoy. Like, frankly, I loved roller skating as a kid. So that's what I did. I got myself a pair of skates. And I go roller skating. Like what a fun way to move my body, right? Uh, bike riding. The other day, uh, my partner hooked up the, a bike rack for me. We put the bikes on the, the car and we went and we did, you know, we went for a ride. It was great. And it was fun. I resisted at first. I didn't really want to go at first. because I was like, I'm tired. It's been too long. Hmm. Right? But he was like patient and like encouraging. And I was really happy when I finally got out and did it. But when we do things from a place of like love and desire, it's so much better, so juicier. We cannot love our, we cannot hate ourselves into the body we want, the relationship we want the gene size we want whatever it is we can't hate ourselves there we have to love ourselves there now that's not to negate accountability right i'm not saying if you love counting calories and that works for you great that doesn't work for me i prefer intuitive eating and the biggest part for me that's still my hurdle is the movement part. So I have to make that a practice and change my perception of movement. And I remember there was a time where I just hated, hated like going to the gym or being on a treadmill or like a steer climber or whatever. Like I just didn't like it, right? It just didn't sound or feel fun to me. But I did fall in love with weight training. 
I really enjoyed that. I liked feeling strong. I liked feeling um, like I could lift, you know, like heavy machine. <laughs> sounds so weird. No, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like I loved, especially for some reason, my legs. It felt so good to like be able to like just like push and like, you know, like lift 150 pounds or something like that with my legs. Like my legs have always been really strong. Um, I could crush a man's head with my thighs. <laughs> I won't. I'm just kidding. But, um, but my point being, I had to find things and I have to, I had to find things and ways of moving that I actually enjoyed. So for me, it's like yoga, Pilates, pole dancing, uh, swimming, roller skating, bicycling, bicycling, bike, biking, <laughs> whatever. Those are things I truly enjoy. I was not the girl who enjoyed running the fucking mile. I hated it like the plague. I would use my period as an excuse. I would come in like third or fourth. I mean, from last, not third or fourth, but from last. I just hated it. I hated running the mile. I thought it was the dumbest thing. I didn't understand. I didn't know why we were doing it. That and the fucking like, uh, what was it called? The um, Oh, like climbing the ropes, like in gym class. Like, who comes up with this stuff? Like, I remember thinking like as a kid, like, I'm never going to be a gym teacher. So why do I have to do this? Like, I was just so like appalled by all of it. And still to this day, it's not what I enjoy. And so I say all this to say, do the thing you enjoy. Do the thing you love. Love the things you love and enjoy them. Like you're here on this planet to enjoy life and to enjoy in its pleasures. So what if you could eat the fucking cookie and go for a walk or eat the cookie and rollerblade or roller skate or do water aerobics or whatever your jam is like but do it because you enjoy it you don't have to do shit you don't enjoy that's actually the wrong direction <laughs> the only way you can get your path wrong is by continuing to do shit that you do not enjoy your body will tell you different your your intuition will tell you different you will feel so much discomfort because it's not what you're meant to be doing so start following the things you love doing the things you enjoy and love yourself along the way like life is too short to hate yourself i wish i would have known that <laughs> when i was going through my <laughs> I'd say my blue period, but it was more my hate period. Like, I really think we can get to a place of remembrance and remembering our wholeness and remembering that beautiful little being that's still inside of us that just wanted to play, just wanted to be, just wanted to have fun and expressed in whatever way they wanted to the funniest part about all this is like i've often thought about this and and it's just reminding me again today 
is like we come into this world brand new and we have no idea that there's anything wrong with us because there's not and we're exactly who we are and we're weird and goofy and quirky and act silly and then the world tells us who we are is wrong and bad and we shut it all down and then like midlife we start you know 30s 40s we start realizing like wait a minute <clears throat> i am not living my life for me and this doesn't feel good this doesn't feel right and then we go on this journey to like uncover who we always were and to express who we always were and who we are truly at our core like our true essence and then we spend the rest of our lives like being just that and it's a process and i know it takes time and that's okay but i'm here to remind you that it wasn't always like this and it doesn't have to be like this like i didn't always hate my body and i didn't always have body image issues and I realized it will be a forever journey, but I'm finding that today through this conversation that it's really a remembrance of, oh yeah, I didn't always have this issue. And these issues were other people's shit that they flung on me and none of it was true. And so it's a beautiful reminder that I don't have to buy into it. I don't have to let it penetrate me. I don't have to believe what others are telling me or have told me. Like I get to not believe it. I get to believe in the truth of who I know myself to be, which is so multidimensional and it's so much more than what anyone will ever know probably more than I'll ever even know. And it's always unfolding and it's always uncovering. But at my core, those things I see in the images of who I was as a little girl are still very much alive in me. And so much more is being revealed. And so I invite you to take a look at your baby photos, photos of you when you were a little kid. What do you see? What do you know is true about that little person? That's the truth. That's who you really are. That and so much more. So your adventure, if you choose to accept it, is to discover and uncover and come back to the truth of who you are because that's who you've always been that's who you are i'm sending you so much love thank you for being here with me and thank you above all for your patience as i navigate my own shit <laughs> but i will say 
the other day I had a kind of a download around all of this and the last seven years and everything I've navigated, all the challenges I've been through, and I'll be sharing more of that as I go along, um, both in relationship and my body and business and all of it, right? My journey of becoming a coach and all this, just all of it. It's been so much. Dark Night of the Soul, Spiritual Awakening, all of it, all of it, all of it. As I share, uh, you know, in the coming weeks, months, years, um, what came to me the other day was that the last seven years and all of its challenges and all of its ups and downs and like rock bottoms, uh, what it really, uh, what came through really clear is that that was my training that was my training my practice my run through <laughs> my um i guess sounds so dramatic to say cross to bear <laughs> my hill to to climb um but basically it was what i had to go through to come to the other side, to be able to share everything that I'll be sharing. And um, as far as like in my business, it was like my practice run. It was my teachings, my trainings, and it was building me to this point. And now it's like, it's go time. <laughs> it's time to show up. It's time to be seen. It's time to see it through. And um, I'm excited for that. And so I thank you for your patience as I navigate this thing called life. And um, I really desire to be more uh, vulnerable and transparent when I'm going through things instead of just like running off and hiding. But it felt necessary because um, there was a lot to unpack. There was a lot to process through. And one thing I've always remained, uh, has remained true for me is that I give myself the time I need to process through whatever I'm going through. And I'm not sharing it until I, until it's clear for me. And so it's clear for me now. And I'm here and I'm ready. And I'm excited to share it all with you. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for being here, and you're going to be seeing a lot more of me. All right. Well, I hope you have a super fabulous day. Eat the goddamn cookie. And <laughs> until next time, I'm sending you so much love and keep growing and glowing. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to leave us a review, share with a friend, or take us on social media at Lori Marie Loves and let me know what was your biggest takeaway, what stood out to you from today's episode. I'd love to hear from you and have a gorgeous day.